Hello and welcome. My name is Merritt Jacks, and I'm not your donkey. If you like to think for yourself, explore ideas that affect our democracies, and you like to bray freely, you've come to the right place. Today, I'd like to explore the hashtag be kind movement, because I'm a little alarmed that history is repeating itself. In the past, men have used, or some men have used, the civil rights and human rights movements to try to gain access to children for their own sexual pleasure. And it looks to me like it's happening today. We'll go into a little bit of living history because, in fact, in the 1990s, I uncovered quite a lot of history around the pedophile movement and child pornography as I was pushing to reduce the impact of pornography on children. And as you can see, I failed on that front. However, I don't want to fail on this one. We have an obligation as grown-ups to protect the innocence of children, and we're not doing a very good job. So come along with me for the story of how uh, pedophiles have used the civil rights movements to try to gain access to kids and ask yourself this question. Is it better to hashtag be kind to grown men who want access to our children for whatever reason? Or is it better to hashtag be kind to our kids? Let's take a look. But I think also that adults have a part to play. Uh, and a responsible, um, caring pedophile um, it always refers to the um, wishes of the child. The two men you just heard were members of the Pedophile Information Exchange known as PIE, P-I-E. This pedophile group operated openly between 1974 and 1984. What was their goal? To lower the age of sexual consent. But I'll get back to that in a minute. First, I'd like to play a game called Pin the Tail on the Pedophile. Pin the tail on the pedophile is played just the same way we used to play pin the tail on the donkey as kids. Basically, you blindfold yourself and you have to identify where the donkey tail belongs. Here are three drag queens. We have Tatiana, who is wearing a lovely necklace today. We have Crystal, who's wearing white feathers all around the shoulders. And we have Kelsey, who's not dressed too fancy today. Which of these three drag queens is a pedophile? The answer is all three. All three of these drag queens are pedophiles. Tatiana, also known as Alberto Garza, was a drag queen reading at a Houston public library who was a registered sex offender. It wasn't the library that 
found this out and uncovered the story, it was actually a volunteer group of parents who have been very concerned about what's been going on in their libraries and in their schools. As for Crystal Caress, Crystal's real name is Christian Churchill, and he was put in jail because he actually ran over two people with his car because he was furious, he said in court, that he had been reported for inappropriate relationships with kids under 16. As for Kelsey Metaboran, Kelsey Metaboran was convicted of 11 felony charges relating to child sex abuse. He was an elementary school teaching assistant and considered himself a drag queen mom. Parents would drop off their kids at his home and he would help them learn how to be, well, they drop off little boys and Kelsey would help these little boys 11 and 12 years old, learn how to dress up like a princess or a little girl, and then dance on stage at clubs. He was sentenced to prison for just a little under a year. The Heights Public Library today debuting a new children's story hour called Drag Queen Storytime. Stephanie Whitfield sat in on the program designed to promote acceptance. Listen for the warning signs in this video celebrating inclusion and diversity while placing a man in front of children who asks kids if they'd like to touch his hair and also turns his back to the kids and wiggles his bum. All in good fun. And this fellow seems like he's just having a good time. But what the moms and the library officials are unwittingly doing is helping children feel more and more comfortable around strange men, under the banner of inclusion, of course. And by the way, this video features the Houston Public Library System, the very place that hired convicted sex offender Tatiana to read to small children. Good morning, everybody. The Heights Library had a special guest for story time. Oh my goodness, everyone is dressed so nice. I wish I would have wore a nice costume for y'all. A visitor who usually performs for an older audience. My name is Blackberry. I'm a bearded drag queen. That means I'm a lady with lots of facial hair. Do you want to touch my hair? No. This program is geared towards kids 10 years old and younger. I just want to expose them to things they don't get to see every day and want it to become the more normal and more accepted. They've never seen a drive queen before, so thought it was a good chance to see one. But let's turn around and shake your butt. Shake them, shake them, shake them, shake them, shake them. It was a first for this branch of the public library, too. It is amazingly unique, and that is ultimately something that we strive for, for sure. Um, we definitely, at this particular branch, but also at Houston Public Library, always want to promote diversity, uh, understanding, inclusion, and fun. Let me hear my cats. Of course, a love of books, too. Blackberry says reading is a way to break the stigma of drag in queer culture. That's the whole goal is to uh, make kids that aren't used to seeing something like me uh, more comfortable to seeing it. So once they go into school later on in life and they see something that's totally different from them, instead of bullying, they're more accepting. One, two, three. Stinky cheese. Now, there were definitely some kids who had to warm up to Blackberry, but that's the whole reason some parents went to expose their children to something that they've never seen before. And most people seem to walk away having a good time. Yeah, start them young, right? Mm -hmm. This is not the kind of diversity 
I want to see in places where children are supposed to be safe. It's too high risk for them. And it's not just that the drag queen might be a pedophile. Maybe most of them aren't. Actually, most of them aren't. Actually, it would be so weird if most of them were. But most of them aren't pedophiles. However, there are pedophiles in the real world around us. And when you reduce a child's natural tendency to step away from a strange man, you are increasing that child's risk of being caught by a pedophile. Pedophiles are really well organized. And if you're listening on a podcast, I'm simply showing the North American Man Boy Love Association's website. This is a group of men who are pushed to have the age of consent lowered so that they can get access to children for their own sexual pleasure. Using the terms like, oh, children need this, it's actually very positive, it's a very good thing. And of course, they do disclose in the letters that they have on the website that they actually have a tremendous longing and will not feel fulfilled as human beings unless they can get little kids. This happens to be a site for uh, men who are interested in little boys, but there are also lots of orchestrated and organized groups of men on the dark web who are after little girls, little boys, it doesn't matter to them. They're all about uh, getting access to vulnerable people for their own pleasure. And that brings us back to the pedophile information exchange. Now you might be saying, well, thank heavens they don't exist anymore. But as I'm showing you, the North American Man Boy Love Association is going strong. So let's take a look at what happened back in the 70s and 80s with the pedophile information exchange. The pedophile information exchange had one objective, and that was to lower the age of consent to four years old. Yes, you heard that right, to four years old. They were very public about it back in the 70s, just as child pornography, or what I call child sex abuse images, just as child pornography was very prevalent because people didn't clue in to how much of a threat this was in our society. The Pedophile Information Exchange was formally affiliated with Britain's National Council for Civil Liberties. And it's important, I think, to look at our history on this because as someone once said, History never repeats itself, but it often rhymes. And I'm hearing a lot of rhyming these days. We'll get back to that on the drag queen stuff, but let's come back to the pedophile information exchange and their cozy relationship with this civil rights group. Pi and the British National Council for Civil Liberties were very cozy for many years. In fact, they too pushed for the lowering of the age of consent in the UK. Not to four, but to 10. When countries lower the age of consent for sexual activities, they become a magnet for pedophiles. Back in the late 80s and early 90s, airlines like Lufthansa even had little uh, postcards in the spot where you keep your um, the vomit bag and so on, uh, announcing that you could, with drawings of little kids and so on in Thailand. And I, somewhere in my files, probably still have a copy of it. It was really alarming to a lot of people that even businesses 
supposedly respectable businesses in the West were getting involved in the child sex trade. People fought very hard against it. A lot of good people who do normal things and take their kids to baseball games and so on. They worked really hard to keep the age of consent strong here in the West and also to raise it in places like Thailand. Many people even went out of their way to fight for laws that made it illegal for a Canadian or a German or someone from a Western country to sexually abuse a child in another country. Um, I think that's important because it's a very, very strong message. When Canada was warned in 2006 that it had become a child sex tourism destination because of its lower age of sexual consent, it increased the age of sexual consent and put a lot of guidelines and a framework of safety around it. And I'm really happy that the conservative government back then took that action. Back when I was working against the influx of pornography in our children's lives back in the early 1990s, in that work, I found that, that there was something called the North American Man-Boy Love Association. And I would go to politicians and hold up their newsletters and point out what they were doing and the harms that they were promoting. And I basically looked like a crazy person back then, because who would imagine that there would be something like that? Well, lots of people can imagine it now because they have a website, as I said, and you can find them at North American Man Boy Love Association, and they're actively pushing for, for changes to the age of consent. Pedophiles often hide in plain sight. Jimmy Savile, a well-loved British entertainer, used his fame and notoriety to pretend that he had an interest in fundraising for schools and hospitals, when in fact, his interest was in getting his hands on children, boys and girls. He preyed upon the vulnerable and sick in hospital beds. For some reason, hospital administrators would give Jimmy Seville a key to a bedroom in their hospital. And why would that be? I have no idea. His victims ranged in age from two years old to 75. And when he was a guest on other TV programs, he always gave plenty of hints about what he was up to. From making it clear that he didn't want a Rolls Royce, but preferred a van because in a van he could do things in the back that you couldn't do in the back of a Rolls Royce so easily, to saying that every girl's school in England feared him. Just listen to this. You used to be a wrestler, didn't you? I still am. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm feared in every girls' school in this country. <laughs> Hiding in plain sight. That was Jimmy Seville, the pedophile. His victims numbered well over 500, and his depravity was so outrageous that he even sexually assaulted dying patients in a hospice. Pedophiles are after the vulnerable. And what could be more vulnerable than a dying child? I don't tell all of this to depress you. I tell this because, darn it, parents and school administrators need to start thinking more like a pedophile, and they need to protect their children from the risk of being abused. 
pedophiles go out of their way to gather wherever children are, flying to places like Canada and Thailand when the age of sexual consent was lower, to volunteering and finding jobs and dancing gigs where they can be with children. If they want to go out and have camping nights out in the woods with little boys, they'll join the Boy Scouts and be a Boy Scout leader. Not all Boy Scout leaders are pedophiles, but a pedophile is drawn to areas where children will be available to them. And of course, if you want a little boy or a little girl and you want to have quiet time with them, you can become a priest. And that happened and you know what happened. Schools are full of kids. And that's why we can find sometimes pedophiles in schools like the pedophile Kelsey Boren. Or if you're a man, you can dress up as a woman and be very camp and dance around in front of kids at school. And lots of times uh, people who are choosing to do this and who happen to be pedophiles don't need to touch the children to get their rocks off, so to speak. They can actually get excited just by dancing around and opening their legs in front of the children and gyrating and twerking and who knows what else. And here's a little clip, harmless enough, okay? This is just a very mild event, but why is a man teaching a kid to stick their butt out and twerk? What is that? And this is just mild because a lot of events have been going on where the drag queen goes out of control and rolls all over the floor with his legs wide open and uh, parents are going, wait, what's that about? Because you're only wearing a G-string and this doesn't look good. Would like to do some of those funny little dances from Fortnite? Does anybody know any of the dances from Fortnite? Oh, then you are a credit to your community. <laughs> but most of all, Michael likes to twerk. Now, does anybody in this room know how to twerk? All right, well, it's quite important to the story, so I will just give you a very quick demonstration. <laughs> All you need to do is you just stand with your feet sort of shoulder width apart, like so, okay? And I'll, sh I'll show you at the side, so you can get better view that. And you, you crouch down into this sort of position here, so your bum's sticking out. Don't be taking this all in. <laughs> and then you just move your bum up and down like that, and that's twerking. <laughs> now, at first, this seemed pretty harmless, an old fellow dressed in a glittering green gown, wearing a orange feather boa, and having a lot of fun with some kids in the library. Yet, I discovered that this is a common theme he has. He goes from library to library to school to school, whatever, getting paid money to actually twerk in front of kids and tell a twerking story, the heroic story of Michael the world champion Olympic twerker. And then you just move your bum up and down like that, and that's twerking. <laughs> Michael went on to do great things. He taught twerking in schools. He started a new fitness phenomenon called Twerk to 20. No one's, <laughs> no one's sure if it works or not, but they give him money for it anyway. And he became the first Olympic athlete to win a gold medal for twerking. Michael was a national hero, all because he followed his heart, all because he was true to himself. So this man goes around talking to toddlers about twerking. It makes me wonder, and I always have to ask that question, why? It's important to remember that you can't tell a pedophile by 
the look on his face, or the lipstick that he wears. It's important for parents to safeguard their children and tell school systems that they don't want this exposed to their kids. Uh, I don't think school systems are putting enough attention at all into uh, all of the background and safety checks for these men. And by the way, they change their names all the time. So it's really hard to see who's on the pedophile register. Besides, schools don't listen to parents these days, and parents have to really, really speak up. An example is recently that the Toronto District School Board in Canada sent out permission slips to all the parents of elementary school kids to say, oh, we're going to be having a drag queen show coming up in honor of Pride Month, so please give us permission to have your kids sit in front of dancing men. And the parents all said, no, not all, but a lot of them overwhelmingly said no. We absolutely don't give our permission for our kids to be exposed to this. We don't want that. What happened? The Toronto District School Board basically gave the middle finger to the parents and said, hey, we're inclusive, we're a diverse group, and it's only kind to have drag queens come and dance for your kids at school. And they totally ignored it and decided that they would not listen to parents and they had the drag queens in. Here's another question, though. What's inclusive about a whole bunch of men dancing in front of kids? You know, no tax dollars are going to women to uh, do the drag queen stuff. Now, I don't want women to do it either. But the point being, it's not inclusive. It's a silly thing to say it's inclusive. And it's not even their business to teach our kids anything about sexuality. There is a lot to teach about sex. But that's a different story, and that's a different podcast for a different day. Remember, the angle that these drag queens with sex offenses use leans on the language of the civil rights and human rights movements. They hide behind the LGBTQ banner the way the pedophile information exchange hid behind the language of children's rights, even using the British National Council for Civil Liberties as their public champion. I'll just close with this one image before I say goodbye. And here is an image of a very, very happy Drag Queen Story Hour event in Portland, Oregon. And I say it's happy because there's a really, really big smile on the Drag Queen's face. He's wearing a long dress that is a very simple one with lots of color. It's very happy colors for kids. He's lying on the floor with a child, a boy child, and then separately with a girl child with their groins pressed against his groin. And who knows what's going on underneath that dress. But I will say that this isn't safe for children. Exposing children and encouraging to climb all over strange men like this is really, really not safe. And it's more important to be kind to kids and protect them than it is to be kind to any adult anywhere. I think it's important to take a wider view of this and step back and say, hmm, is it really true that we should be applying the language of civil rights and human rights for men to dress as women and step into a class and dance around in front of them? The pedophile information exchange group would say yes. The North American Man-Boy Love Association would say yes. But what do you say? 
leave some of your notes below and give me your comments, share, like, subscribe. And uh, we'll have more on this subject because, in fact, I have a lot of material from the 1990s when I was digging up information. I hadn't realized how really bad a lot of this was. And so I have information that I can share and just ways of thinking things through because we like to think here at Not Your Donkey. And when I was active back in the 1990s, I had ministers of justice take my notes and say, wow, this is really clear thinking because they were having a lot of issues back then because a lot of religious people were saying things about pornography and there was kind of silence on the left. And that's where I used to live on the left. I said, this isn't a left or right question. This is about how to frame a society in which children are allowed to grow up freely without weird external influences that don't belong in their minds at that age. There's a reason um, children don't vote until they're 18. They just don't have the brain power to do it. And in fact, science says they really don't have the brain power until 25. If I could ask you to think of one thing at the end of this show is to say, who do I really want to be kind to? Do you want to be kind to kids? Or do you want to be kind to grown men who want access to them? And we should not allow the, the veil of inclusivity and diversity and so on to break the protective barrier that our society has put in place against men like we just saw from the pedophile information exchange. We worked hard throughout the 70s, 80s, and even the 90s to help protect kids from that kind of interest. As I mentioned earlier, the North American Man-Boy Love Association is still in progress. So if you'd like me to do a show on that, let me know, and I'll be happy to pick that up. As I said, in the early 90s, I was uh, working against pornography's influence on children because I feel children really do have the right to grow into their own sexual selves. They don't need to be taught stuff at school except how not to get pregnant and not to get a disease. They should grow into who they are. And it isn't our job and certainly not strange men's job and certainly not a teacher's job to force anything on them until they're ready to explore themselves. Our next show will be on the World Economic Forum, but not in a way you might think. We'd like to show you how the World Economic Forum is trying to control what your children eat. Eat in daycares, eat in schools, and in fact, their influence, the Billionaire Club, has had an influence across England and North America in terms of changing what kids get in their cafeterias. Yes, some of it has to do with insects, but more of it has to do with questions about the effects on a child's growth and well-being when it comes to completely shifting what they're eating. And by the way, what business is it of Bill Gates or other billionaires to tell us what we nourish our children with? Thank you for listening to Not Your Donkey. We really appreciate it, especially since we're just starting out and learning things as we go. Please do like, subscribe, and share. And there's my little dog who waited this whole time until she would jump up and say hello. 
Um, I'm just going to bring her up. Here we go. Come on. Come on, Scout. This is, <laughs> this is Scout. And uh, she was named Daisy to begin with, Daisy May. And she's such a tough little dog that I thought, no, she can't be called Daisy May. I'm going to have to call her Scout. And so she's named Scout after the little girl on To Kill a Mockingbird. Okay, there she goes. Anyway, back to this. Please like, subscribe, and share. And if you have any comments, please give them below. I'd love to read them, and we'll read some of them on the air as we go, even the ones that don't agree with us. And so if I could just say one more thing before we go, my wish is that you would hashtag be kind to kids and live like it matters. Share your voice out there, brave freely, because a democracy needs all of our voices. You've been listening to Not Your Donkey with Merritt Jacks. Here at Not Your Donkey, we like to take the wise advice of Dr. Seuss. Think left and think right. Think low and think high. Oh, the things you can think up, if only you try. And remember, like, subscribe, and share, and see you next time.